Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh! Welcome to the show. No football club is ever successful without handball. Hej, välkommen till fotbollsklubben episode. Nu är er episode 137. Ja, jeg sa förra veckan att jag skulle börja sluta och si, uh, hela månaden. Det var det var mycket så jag ska inte säga si det. Nej, du har väntat till det nå. Ja, jag vet jag är er väldigt väldigt till det. Detta syns jag är er väldigt innanför. Ja, 137 och som vanligt. Eh, landskamper? Ja, det är er, eh, 137 landskamper. Är er det en del eh, folk? Altså, Rigbert Song, Jari Littmann, Miroslav Klås... Hva for noe? Rig- Underbar så får noen navn. Vanligvis så er det jo veldig... Så havner vi et veldig rart sted. Men ja, her kunne... var det jo store navn. Ja, absolut. Eh, Rigbert Song? Ja, han er jo en fyr man kan ha glemt litt. Han er nå trener for U23-landslaget i Kamerun. Ja, det er bra, fordi to år siden så var han i, I koma, efter mm. å ha fått et slag der, så han er oppe og går igjen. Ja. Det er gode nyheter. Og så var det Myroslav Klåse, selvfølgelig, tyskeren. Ja, lagt det opp. Lov å si han er en av de kjærligste toppskårerne VM noensinne har sett. Det er lov. Ja. Jari Littmann, derimot, gøy å spille. Håkesveis, morsom. Mm. Uh, fin. Er det noen andre? Ja, det er Hussein Said fra Irak, Walter Centeno, Costa Rica og Jaime Penedo fra Panama. Ja, og Walter Centeno, han sa han sa det. Da er det de. Kjempebra, Thomas. Ja, takk. Uh, det er veldig fint. Uh, vi skal straks til vår gjest, uh, Bobby Madley, men først uh, en liten detalj. Ja. Vi har solgt TV-rettigheter til uh, Eliteserien, har solgt til Kina. Ja, gratulerer. Tre år. Uh, og da er det sånn at sjefen for dette her sier da uh, til avisen, naturligt nok at dette er gøy, mm. men også at dette er første gang vi selger dette ut av landet. Ja. Og da klør Thomas Aune seg i, I huet. Ja, for altså, jeg mente at det var, har ikke Norge solgt rettighetene, solgt ikke de tippelige rettighetene til Kina en gang, og så fant jeg det eneste saken jeg fant på det var som ligger den ute nå, var på dr.dk, altså dansk radio. Ja. Eh, og da står det, er, har de sitert da, en sak fra NRK Sport, hvor da uh, Knut Kristvang uh, uttaler at det er gøy at norsk fotball kan bli vist i et så stort land og et så stort marked. Og det er fra 2007? Ja, og det er også Knut Kristvang som sier at det er første gang i 2018 <laughs> at uh, norsk fotball blir solgt til utenfor Europa. Så, så, er så det er litt for å vinne. Ja. Uh, du, uh, vi har en gjest. Ja. Uh, to ting. Du er fra Ski. Jeg er fra Ski. Ja. Jeg du er, er fra Abelse. Jeg er fra Abelse. Mm. Det er veldig sjeldent man uh, får inviterat en gäst från Abelse. Ja, det är er det. Eh, och när vi först gör det mm. så är er du en som har, har dömt i Premier League. Mm. 
Og dette er, dette er rart ja. uh, Bobby Madley the prince of Osset. <laughs> I've been called have some things but never the prince of Osset. Welcome. Thank you. Abelse. Yeah. Why the hell? <laughs> Are you now a member of Abelse idrettslag? Well, um obviously I'm here in Oslo and as a referee you have to join a, a local club which is very different to anything we have in England. We don't have that system. Um and basically, I, my, my partner's uh, her dad was a, a referee in the 1990s, um, mm-hmm. and he was a member of Arbilsa. So I was kind of forced into it a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I went down to the club. I went to, to meet some of the, the guys down there and just got a really nice feel about the place, really nice sense of community, and it felt like a really welcoming family club and thought, yeah, it's, it reminded me a lot of the, the club I'm, I'm quite heavily involved in in England. Um, at Osset United, and I thought, yeah, this this is this feels like the place for me. But you you do understand that this feels kind of bizarre to me because no one really knows where Abelso is. Time to put Abelso on the map, then. Eh? Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you live in the area. Yeah, in Mangaru. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I Östersjö, för det är det som inte vet uh, var det är. Uh, Nydligt Östersjöst, Östersjövanne, mm. uh, Europas största fulla reservat. Vi blir inte lika the wild birds at uh, Östersjövanne. Is that the water? Yeah. I've run around it. You've run around <laughs> it? I, have, I haven't, I've not done much bird watching yet, but I've, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to... But that's a place where bird watchers from all over Europe come. Oh, really? Yeah. It's it's massive. It's okay. the biggest, what's it called? Bird reservoir yeah. in, in Northern Europe. Okay. Uh, so I'll take some time next time I'm yeah. running around. <laughs> I'll give you a crash course <laughs> in the most important birds. Sothörne, yeah. topdykker, uh, that's a good start. I'll, yeah. I'll show you pictures. Um, but uh, I have to ask you, why Norway? I, I said my um, my partner's Norwegian. She's from Oslo, um, and basically we uh, we've shifted here to Norway and um, start our new life here. But what 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 are your refereeing plans in Norway? Okay, so because I, I guess you are. That's what you are. Yeah, I mean that that's the job I did in England. I yeah. was full time as professional doing that. So um yeah, I mean Norway's always a, a country that have got good uh, good history in terms of referees, some top referees that have come from this country. Um and the football's good and uh, as much as people keep saying, Oh, Norwegian football, it's not do you know what I've watched a fair bit of Elite Syrian over the last few months, over the last year. Um I enjoy watching it. I think it's good football. It doesn't matter that you know, it doesn't have to be multi-billion-pound football teams that are out. Football is football, and it's really enjoyable to watch. So the the aim, really, I've um, as it was set out in the press, I've met with the NFF. Um, we have discussions going on at the moment about next season, what league I'll be refereeing on. I'm not sure, um, but you will be refereeing something. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm as I said, whatever league that is, that's that's absolutely fine by me. I'm not. I, I hate this this feeling or sense from people that oh, he refed in the Premier League and therefore he just stepped straight into our top division that you know I have to earn my place in Norway there's guys who've worked really really hard throughout their careers um, to be able to referee on the Obos League and Elite Syrian and it's you know to just come and expect to step into a position there is is not correct. Because you people do say that. Yeah people have said that and I think that's natural that they say, oh, you refereed in the Premier League. Well, they, the only reason I refereed in the Premier League is, one, I'd like to think that, because I'm, I'm not bad at refereeing. <laughs> um, but secondly, I, w- I was born in England. 
Yeah. You know, there's guys in the elite series who could referee in the Premier League. I'm absolutely certain of that. Um, they just happen to be born in Norway. So there's no right, no given right, just because I'm English that suddenly you can come in and referee in the top league in any in, in any country. But uh, at what level did you start in England? So basically, all all the referees start at just at junior at grassroots level. So I started when I was 16. I played football until I was 16. Um, fell into refereeing by mistake. Why? How? So I played, I played at some junior like academy school of excellence as a kid, and then I played for Osset Town. So Osset United, who I mentioned earlier, is a mixture this season. So the two Osset teams, Town and Albion, uh-huh. they merged together. So I played for Town as a kid, um, and I used to give the refs a little bit of grief. To be fair, I was I was a bit arrogant as a player and thought I knew everything about the game, and just one guy, one one old referee, he was. I don't know, he must have been about 144 years old, something Probably, like that. Never yeah. got out of the centre circle. And I used to give this guy so much trouble every Sunday. And he spoke to me after the game and said, look, you're you're a good player, you're a nice lad, you're a good guy, but you're horrible to referee. You know, I'll let you say whatever you want to me as a referee if you take the referee's course and just learn what it's like to be a referee and learn the laws of the game. And through pure arrogance, probably, I, I took him up on it and I thought, yeah, just so I can shout at you next Sunday, I'll, I'll become a ref. No intention ever to referee any games. So, yeah, I went along to the course. I took my brother. I had no friends at the time, obviously, so I, I, I took Andy with me to the, to the course. Um, he, had, he didn't want to referee at all. He just he thought it was a good qualification to have. Um, and now he's a professional referee as well, referees in the championship. So... He's doing all right out of that little old guy. But did it work? Did you do the course and then shout at him the next week? No, because you know what? It it made me realise that actually I I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know the laws of the game as well as I think I do. So it gave me a new perspective, yeah. It worked. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Have you tried this on uh, players yourself? Yeah, we have done. (laughs) um, Amazingly, even up to Premier League level, the referees go in and speak to the the players pre-season. And it's not a rundown of the laws of the game but it's just to give a more understanding to the players and that to the clubs are very very good they they accept that i've done quite a lot of work in england as well with with clubs all the way through the levels just to upskill them and make the players realize that you know you you're shouting some abuse at the referee here and what you're shouting is nonsense it's not you, you don't even know what you're saying there so yeah i think it's important for everybody to know the game that they're playing but, but- Yeah. At, at what level are the pe- players uh, the most difficult? Uh, is it the lower leagues or uh, um, the Premier Probably a Sunday morning in England. Because <laughs> yeah. sat- Saturday night is good fun in England. <laughs> yeah. There's a few beers going and most of the players go straight from the pub to the football pitch. Um, so when you're refereeing... And a lot, of the, a lot of the teams on a Sunday in England, Sunday morning, are actually based from... Not an area, they're actually based from a pub. So there are a lot of pub teams. So yeah. these guys go out on a Saturday, they turn up on a Sunday, they can half see the football, there's usually three footballs in front of them to kick. Um, that's quite difficult to ref. As a young referee, that's quite difficult. Mm. But how have. old were you when you, the first time you... So 16. Refereed 16. the grown-ups. Yeah, 16. Grown-ups? Yep. yep. Wow, so you had 35-year-olds yeah, shouting at you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was sort of 1 meter 90 then, so I was quite tall, I was very okay. tall at 16, so... That helped. That probably didn't look it. I mean, I don't look 33 now. I look about 53. I feel about 73 <laughs> after playing football last night. But, 
Yeah, so 16-year-old. So it was a good introduction into into tough football. And the north of England has very hard football, tough football. But did they listen to you? Um, yeah. The first time, 16 years old. Yeah, they did. I think because I was fit. So, And again, that for guys at that level, a lot of the referees are older. Mm. And they do a fantastic job. You know, that's taking nothing away from them. Some of these guys are 70, 75 years old. Mm-hmm. So they don't move too well around a pitch. So I think the players appreciated a referee who ran, <laughs> first of all. Um, I played football to a good level, so I understand the game. Mm. Um, and I think they, they got that quite quickly, that actually he's, he's not just some guy who was never picked and decided to be a ref. He, he actually but, knows what he's talking about. But at what point did you decide, OK, this is what I'm going to do. This is, uh, this is what I want to be. Yeah, so, I mean, I stopped playing when I was 16, basically to referee. And part of that was because you start getting paid. And as a 16-year-old... A little bit of money coming in is quite nice. Um, so I ended up doing three, four games every weekend just for a little bit of money. But I loved doing it. I really enjoyed doing it. And suddenly people start saying, actually, you're not bad at this. Probably the first time that I thought, yeah, this could this could be serious. Is this, We have a league called the Northern Counties East League, um, which are, they're not semi-professional, but they're probably paid a little bit. But that's when people start to pay to watch the games and I remember warming up before the game. My brother was at the game, actually, a club called Yorkshire Amateur. And the music's playing and you can hear the turnstiles click and people coming into the ground and suddenly it feels professional. And I thought, yeah, this is this is good. I like this. I could get used to this. <laughs> yeah. Det er noe fint med det. Ja, veldig hyggelig. Uh, for jeg har ikke noe følelse selv i min uh, yrkesaktive karriere. Jeg sånn, uh, at jeg har et sånt punkt hvor jeg tenker sånn, ja, ja dette, kan, uh, dette kan jeg gjøre. Uh, vet du om du har det? Har du sånn, ja, kanskje Nei, jeg fikk en kontrakt da Ja, det er litt sånn på det nivået ja. um, Before we move on How much Norwegian do you understand? Uh, litt ja, ja, Jeg lærer, ja, men Jeg snakker litt norsk nå um, Men det er ikke perfekt But Do you have to speak Norwegian uh, To referee in Norwegian games? Or is um, I think it will help Ja yeah. um, the good thing about Norway is everybody speaks English, yeah. which is kind of a bad thing for me because if I want to learn Norwegian, yeah. everybody seems to enjoy speaking English here. So <laughs> as soon as they see that I struggle a little, they're like, it's fine, we speak English. Yeah. So that kind of doesn't help. But yeah. I think it will help. I think it will definitely help to, to be able to communicate. But I refereed on the international list for two years. So yeah. you get used to making people understand what you're trying to say, even if you don't if you don't, you don't speak the language. Yeah. Do you want to do the rest in Norwegian? Or should we just uh, keep, no, uh, keep tak, going? Yeah, Engelska, Braffemeyer. How long have you tried to... For how long have you tried to speak Norwegian? What was... Um, how much time have you spent not, coming to this level? Not long. Not long at all. So I, I Cause started this is just really, got an online app. Because um, this is really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know Trevor Morley, mm. the old West Ham... He's he's a friend of uh, ours and yeah. he's been living in Norway since well late eighties early nineties. Yeah, he started coming over in the late eighties yeah. at least. And he's you are almost equal. Really? Yeah. Oh well, too, uh, well he was a better footballer than I ever was. So <laughs> you've got that on me. <laughs> and trust me, you're a better referee. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We've got a ton of questions for okay. you uh, from our listeners uh, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. everywhere. Uh, and the range, it's so big. It's yeah. so massive. Um, well, um, we've asked you why you are in Norway, but there are restrictions to what you can say about yeah. why you left England. Yeah. And that's why we're not asking those okay. questions. Um, that's Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, I've, I've made that point with uh, the interview with NRK as yeah. well, and it's an agreement I have, and, yeah. and it's something I, I have to stick to as well. So that's out of... Just, just before people start telling us off for not asking yeah. these questions. Yeah. Uh, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, det er en million spørsmål. Uh, uh, og det er altså fra dømming uh, til matlaging. Vi skal ta matlaging, for det er uh, altså du verden. Uh, for det uh, we'll get back to your eating habits. Uh, because my oh my, there's so much to... Mm. Uh, men uh, skal vi begynne med sånn dommerting? Ja, det kan vi gjøre uh, For der er det jo veldig mange spørsmål som handler om dommergjerning Ja, yeah. uh, we can start with a, a question from uh, Jakob Berge uh, What's the toughest game you've ever refereed? Wow, good question um, I think as a as an English referee coming through the system English football is quite strong It's quite a physical game to play So I think the hardest games are when when we reach the international level and you start to referee games abroad, the expectation yeah. is different. So going to clubs and refereeing in places like Fenerbahce, mm. in places like uh, Pauk in Thessaloniki in Greece, the atmosphere is very different to England. Um, very hostile in those environments. Very A lot of fun to referee in. Um, but those games are the hardest ones. They're, they're the toughest because 
it's trying to recognise, and I have to do this in Norway, I, I understand that as well, that Norwegian football will have an expectation of what a foul is. And mm. that might be different to the expectation in England and Turkey. So it's trying to judge that level. Um, the, How do you do that? How do you prepare? I think you just have to watch a lot of football. Watch do you watch, lot. before going to Pauk, do you yep. watch Pauk games? Yes, absolutely. You do that? So before every um, Premier League, for instance, before every Premier League game, during that week, um, I would spend probably two hours, two and a half hours watching, I don't know, whichever two teams, watching one of the team's last game mm -hmm. and the other team's last game. Probably the home or away, depending which they're which they're going to be that weekend. Seeing how they set up at corner kicks, seeing how they set up at free kicks, Why? see who takes throw-ins. It's not to prejudge; it doesn't prejudge things. But you know, if you were if you were going to go into a battle as a, a soldier, you'd want to know how many people they have. <laughs> okay. You know, so as a referee, it's it, I don't take weapons with me. I don't judge a player on, on reputation. But you want to know if if there are eighteen players. Absolutely, in the same spot. I, I want to know that if if I'm going to stand, take England for example in the World Cup. Yeah, they had a very strict system on attacking corner kicks, a very successful one, which players didn't quite know how to defend. As a referee, I want to I want to know that that's coming, and I want to put myself in the best position to be able to see something that could happen. I'm mm. not judging that it will happen. But if it does, I want to be in the best position. So You want to know where to look? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Strom's got set played Starbeck this weekend. There's no way did either of those teams turn up to that game having not watched the other team, <laughs> having an idea. And yeah. they'll have some idea of the referee on the game as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's professional to turn up and, and be aware. But if you if you then uh, referee uh, two games, like a game from uh, a team from Greece yeah. uh, playing against a team from Scotland, for yeah. instance, uh, and maybe they have different uh, opinions on yeah. what <laughs> makes a free kick, uh, which level do you put yourself? Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, okay. And that's such a difficult thing to do as a referee. And, and that's two good examples, a British team against a, a Mediterranean team, for example. British teams, and you, we see this when players come from Spain or South America to the Premier League. It takes some time to get used to the physicality of the Premier League. Mm. Um, Scandinavians, not so much, because I think the, the two footballs are very similar. Scandinavian and English football, very similar. Mm. Um, as a ref, you have to pitch somewhere in the middle of that mm. and keep control of 11 from each team, which can be difficult. Mm. Do you explain this to them before the game? Um... Oh. No, not really. No. Not really, because I, I I don't want to go and say to players, this is how I'm going to referee the game, no. because one thing can change that. And the first time I do something that's different, they'll say, hang on, you said you were going to do this and you, and you lied. You didn't say the truth. So, no, I just, as a team, we have to judge very, very quickly. Mm. Okay, wh where do we pitch this? Mm. Where is it? If it's, again, if it's the second leg of maybe a, a game between the two teams, the second match... What happened in the first match? You know, how did they set up in the first match? Who's going to be the stronger? Which players were the potential problems? Who had arguments on the pitch? So we have to know that. We have to be aware of that before we go in. Yeah, so uh, also a lot of uh, Premier League questions, like uh, from uh, Vegar Hove, uh, who was the most difficult manager to manage in the Premier League? Um, Because you you have to referee... The benches as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it's fourth official, you're in contact with the benches a lot. It's quite a difficult question, that, because, again, we, we get this thrown a lot. Oh, he seems a nice guy. He seems difficult. And actually, they're all just people doing a job. And there are personalities that 
will clash with my personality and the personalities mm. they might well get on with another referee. So I wouldn't say there's any of the managers that are particularly hugely difficult as a, a referee. But who are the big talkers? Um, so there are a few, there are different levels. So. Yeah, I mean, there are some managers who, who don't speak. Or Neil Warnock, for example, at, at Cardiff City now. Neil will ask questions all the time. Sean Dice is the same at Burnley. They'll ask questions all the time. Now, as long as the questions are asked in the right manner, um, then that's fine. Okay. I have no problem. Um, it's some, a, lot, a lot of whys, I guess. Yeah, why, a lot of why? that. And, and do you know what? A lot of the time, I can answer the question from a referee perspective, but what managers fail to remember sometimes is that the guy they're asking, was that a free kick that was 90 metres away? The person they're asking is standing one metre to their left who has exactly the same view as them. So if the manager thinks it's a free kick from 90 metres, the chances that the fourth official probably thinks the same thing, but I'm 90 metres away, the referee's five metres, so that doesn't make me correct. So, yeah, I, I had a good relationship with the managers, and they actually, I think it's only fair to say, the managers have a very, very good relationship and a lot of respect for the referees, certainly in the Premier League, and I'm sure it's the same in, in Elite Syrian as well. Many times they'll come to the changing room after the game and say thank you. Win or lose. This doesn't get highlighted in the press enough. Um, the press tend to focus more on the negative sides of behaviours of managers. And we really don't see that as much. Right. As I said, we, we go in pre-season. Um, I went to Crystal Palace pre-season to talk to their players. Alan Pardew was the manager then. And, and Alan Pardew said, look, we've actually put your talk back two hours so we can train. But come train with us. Come and play. <laughs> and it was like... And you know what? It was that point where you realise how good these guys are, yeah. how good the players are. When you see them in small spaces and their little one-touch and phenomenal. But yeah, the, the relationship with the manager is very good. Yeah. And then you think, thank God I became a referee. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean, it's the first time I've volunteered that I'll, I'll ref the next <laughs> one, yeah. <laughs> it's beyond I'm my out. comfort zone, this one, yeah. You played last night? I did, yeah. yeah. I, um, I went down, so I went to meet some of the guys down at Arbilso last night for the first time. And um, a guy down there, Svindal, who was, he said, yeah, come down and we have a, a, th a plus 33s team. So I kind of feel old now because I'm 33 and I fit into this senior team now, yeah. which I'm devastated about. Um, but he said, yeah, come down. There's only a few guys turned up. But the first team were training. So I met them before, the, before they started. And uh, Fawad, the manager, he said, oh, come, and, come and join in with us. So they had little 5v5 games. I joined in and it was good fun. Really, really great set of guys. Good, some good footballers there as well. Some really good footballers. Um, and enjoyed it. Just nice to, to have a kick about with the football rather than just training on your own. It's just a lot more fun. But a bit cold? No, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely freezing. I mean, I had to stop a few times and that's not a fitness thing. I mean, refereeing and footballers' fitness is very different. Footballers is short, sharp, whereas a referee is more endurance. Um, it was just the cold on the chest last yeah. night. I mean, it was mm. minus seven, minus eight. Um, and I was pleased that even the other guys were like, yeah, this is gold. I'm not pleased with this. So, yeah, it was tough. It was yeah. tough last night, but good, great fun. Really, like I said, really nice club and great set of lads. Yeah. You think he'll play next season, games? Well, I play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, Fawad wasn't running at me with a contract, so I don't <laughs> think I'll play for them. But no, I, I'm pretty sure that if I'm refereeing, then refereeing yeah, and playing is not the most sensible thing to do. Right. So, But when will we know? At what level you will be refereeing? I'm not sure. I, I don't know myself yet. You um, don't? Nope, I'm sure the... Um, and that's not me hiding anything, I'm being absolutely honest. Um, <laughs> but some, at some point before the at next At some season. stage, yeah. I mean, uh, the first thing really is 
get my match fitness back. Mm. Um, I haven't refereed since July. You know, my last game was was in Pauk in Greece in July. So get the fitness back first. Get used to the conditions here. Um, meet the referees. I think that's that's really important as well. You know, they I have to meet them and and let them see. Yeah, this this guy is all right. Yeah. You know, because the one thing people don't realise with the refereeing team at that level is that the team is so important. People just see the one referee and two assistants and fourth official. But actually, when when the top referees in Norway come together, it's like a it's just like a football team. Yeah. And there'll be people who maybe aren't performing as well as they want to at that time, and it's down to the other referees to say, look, come on, we'll pick you up as a team and we'll carry this. And So that's important that they feel they have an, a team member and not somebody who wants to come and, and act like some superstar from England, which I really don't want to do that. But, but is it like that in the Premier League as well? Very you much know, so, yeah. The, the Premier League guys meet every two weeks. Okay. Every two weeks they have two days away down at St George's Park at the, the ah. training centre. So it's good. So we have that real real sense of community there as well. Um, and the Norwegian guys don't meet as often because they obviously they have their jobs, so yeah. they couldn't meet every two weeks. But, you know, from, from what I'm told, they're a very close group which I think is is really important. Huh. Match fitness yeah. for a referee. Yeah. You need games. And just like the place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can run around and bird spot around the uh, the lake if I want, but yeah, because it's mental fitness as well as a referee. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of want to be in a position without thinking about having to get there. It's like breathing. Once you start thinking of breathing, it becomes quite a difficult, strange thing to do. So for me to be in a position where to see the decision, I have to kind of do it on instinct. And that only comes with, with experience and with matches. So yeah, so over over the winter there'll be some some games indoor and some friendly games, which we've discussed already. I think I'm doing one for Abilsa in uh, in December actually. Inside inside. Which I'm delighted about. So yeah, I panicked when he asked me. Um, if you take uh, Andy Carroll, he needs four to five minutes to get his match fitness because, <laughs> well, uh, he was on the bench this yeah. weekend. Had four to five minutes. How, how many games do you need to find <coughs> your excuse me uh, match fitness? Match fitness as a referee has to be game one of the season. Yeah, but so how many games do you need uh, to build up? Well, to that? I, I tend to. If you're to out with an injury. Yeah, if if you yeah. pull, pull your hamstring and you have yeah. to take a break, how many? For games? me, it would be three or four. Three or four games. Three or four games that are not a league game. Mm. So before the season, I would tend to do, um, I'd do a couple of local games, and then maybe one or two of the the Premier League teams who mm. who would have a, a pre-season game. Not too many because I think you can burn yourself very quickly, um, but just to get that mental sharpness back and. And the physical sharpness as well, which is important. Have you ever had any injuries? I have, yeah. I, um, I, I pulled my calf, actually. I came off a game at uh, Stoke City and Leicester, um, which was frustrating because it's the first time I've ever come off a game injured during the match. It was live on television as well. What? And the ball went down one side, and I chased after full length of the full-length run, and I felt that the muscle just went. And I was like, oh, no. And as I turned, Stoke City knocked the ball. I say Leicester knocked the ball right back up to the other end of the pitch. So I ran the full length. Ball went out for a goal kick. And I, uh, I stood there thinking, I can't move. But I need some excuse here just to buy myself some time. And So Okazaki was at the side and I pulled him. I said, just just come and have a chat with me. What? <laughs> just have a chat with me. <laughs> what about anything? <laughs> so I'm like, 
I just need to buy some time here before John Moss was a fall, before John could get ready to, to come on. But yeah, injuries are frustrating. Very frustrating as a referee as well. So because you don't have that every day as a team player would have every day with the physio, it can be hard. It can be mentally quite difficult to, to overcome that. How did, you get, how did you get back? A lot of I actually came to Norway, um, so I came over here during the break, and I saw the I saw Gitter who works with the, the Norwegian referees. Mm-hmm. She did some little tests on it. She was liaised with the sports scientists in England as well, um, and basically they just give a training program and just keep up to date and just strengthening then just to uh, to get back. Because the fans, yeah, of Stoke and Leicester watching this, mm-hmm. seeing ah. Oh, Bobby Madley injured. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you get a lot, a, lo- a lot of stick on the way out? Not really. You'd be surprised, actually. A lot. Most of the guys, when we walked back out to the cars, were, "Are you okay?" Mm. Most of the fans were, yeah. Um, the managers, you can see it on the television. I had a, a bit of a laugh with the manager, but I think Mark Hughes at the time he actually turned around, he, he patted me on the back and said, "I hope you're all right." And I said that this is the the sort of misinterpretation of football that at that level. A lot of people think certain things happen and they don't. People actually care about the referees, surprisingly. <laughs> so so you, do, you don't feel that you get stick at all? I don't or? think so. I mean, the media do, but that's what yeah. that's what the media do. And that's not all parts of the media. Some of the media are fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it a couple of years ago, uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher came to our training camp and trained with us for Sky Sports. And I think they learned a lot there. I think mm. they took a lot from that. So some of the media are good. Some not so good, um, yeah. but they have newspapers to sell, and bad news sells newspapers. So. No, but it's great if you if you don't get sort of get the feeling that you're getting. Stick no, all and, the time and we don't it. see that a lot because the the referees there are not allowed social media. No, okay. So I guess some things probably are said on social media <laughs> that that we don't see. I I have seen some things. I mean, part of my presentation that I, that I do for clubs and businesses has some of the, the little screenshots from right. things like Twitter that people have written and there's some horrendous things on there. Well, some that, shocking yeah. things. that happens to everyone uh, in football. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, it does, it does. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but for how long will you be doing this? Uh, is there an upper age limit, or will you just be when you're old and yeah, slower? And body gives in. Um, will you just continue at a lower level? Will you be doing the Sunday I, stuff when you're 75? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think that I could, you know, that I could still give something back to football like that. There's no age limit in England. I think there's a European law that that's not allowed in England. Um, I'm not sure about Norway. I don't think there is in Norway either. But I think you have to recognise that you know you're chasing 19, 20-year-olds around a football pitch. Mm-hmm. And whilst the head might still know what it's doing and know that you, you're ready to do that, you have to at some stage recognise that the body's not quite at that level. And when you're refereeing at an elite level, it has to be at the same level of the players. Um, I know two of the guys who they finished their careers at um, Rusenborg at the weekend. They recognised there that Yeah, it's it's time to step aside and let a younger referee in. They still love the game. I'm sure those guys will go out for the next 20 years at that level to referee. But I think you have to be professional and recognise that. Yeah, maybe maybe that's time. But I mean, if I if I finish refereeing, I want to coach young referees. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to working with the young guys at, at Arbilsa. If I can pass on some experience to those guys and help them up through the the referee pyramid in Norway, then mm. fantastic. Please do. 
Ja, det är väl bäst. Do you know the name of all the players? In the Premier League? Yeah, when you referee them. If, yeah. you, if you go to Greece and do mm-hmm. Pauk, even if you do Strömskotse. Yeah. Uh, do you read up on the player names? Yeah. You, and do you call them by their full name, their last name, their first name? Um, so, I mean, certainly in England, by first name, nickname, some of the players, and they would call us by our name. Mm. But I had a, a strategy which which worked, I think, in England, that I would call a player by their name until I'm not happy with something, and I would refer to them by their number. And, <laughs> yeah. and at that line, because a referee and player can't be friends. That That might sound might not sound good but we can't be friends players want to win a game and I want to control it and they'll do whatever they want to do to win of course. and if it's me or them they're going to look after themselves so we understand that um, so we're not friends I, I'm not, I don't have any players names in my phone book but yeah we, we know their name we talk to them by first names we work together at the end of the day mm. um, so it's like uh, it's like uh, it's a professional ma- uh, relationship it's like a, a mother uh, you, well, call, yeah. you, call, you call the kid by the first name, yeah. and, uh, and if he or she does something wrong, well, you exactly. say their full name. Yeah, so I'm Bobby, but if my mum's upset, I'm Robert. So yeah, so that's <laughs> or rather absolutely. you are Mr. Robert Madley. Yes, Robert. So <laughs> yeah, so we have the same, the same. Yeah. And and yeah, if I was to go to Greece to referee the game, I would know the players before I go out on the game. If I was to go to Stromsgotse, as you said, I would make sure I know the players before I go out. But so if you call them by their number, they should. They should listen. Yeah, and I think it depends on the tone of voice that you're speaking yeah. as well. And and the next time, okay, you can give them the telling off or speak to them and tell them you're not happy. I think it's then as a referee really important that the next opportunity you have to you know not leave that relationship as it is there. Let them know that you're not happy. That's important. And if a referee's strong, a player will get the message. But maybe three or four minutes later, Alexander, are we okay? Yeah, mm. we good. And a player generally, yeah, yeah, it's good. And they'll know at that stage, we're back on first name terms now. We're back on, on level terms. Because you speak all the time. Mm, all when, the time. When you're out running. Some more than others. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I speak all the time, yeah, yeah, all the time. And yeah. you ask them, you okay, everything? Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Tell them how, how well they're playing or the stick went over the crossbar when they've given me 40 <laughs> minutes of whatever else. I'll remember that one. Just remember that next time I make a mistake. But yeah, so that there is some good some good banter that happens on the pitch. I think the better referees are the ones who who have a bit of personality. Nobody wants a yeah. robot. Yeah. You know, they want a bit of personality and a smile out there makes a huge difference sometimes. Is this what makes it so f- so much fun for you as a referee? I, I mean, I've always said... Um, I was always very cautious that they never, the Premier League never implemented this, but I've always said, you you pay me enough to get to a ground. And okay, <laughs> as, a, as a proper job, give me a, a job that is an average salary, I'll go and do that game. Yeah. I would referee, genuinely, if I had another job, I'd referee a Premier League game for nothing. Yeah. And would players say that? I don't know. Maybe they would. Um, some would. Some would. Others, I'm, no. I'm sure, and maybe other referees are the same, but... Mm. I love refereeing. I feel very, very lucky to be able to go out onto those kind of stadiums and call that a place of work. You know, that's people's dreams. You see people do a tour of stadiums. They're not allowed to step on the pitch. Mm. And, you know, that's that's your office. There is no better office in the world than a, in the middle of a football pitch. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I'm passionate about what I do. I love what I do. So, uh, Oliver Breen has asked uh, who's the nicest guy in the Premier League and who comes second after Juan Mata <laughs> <laughs> he's a nice guy to be fair 
there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of good ones, and it's it's probably unfair to pick out certain ones. I mean, there are ones who who you have relationships with because you've you've seen them for years, whether you know him or not. A guy called Jonathan Hogg at Huddersfield Town, mm. um, who's having a great season. My local team actually grew up watching Huddersfield. Um, but Hoggy is a player who, when I was coming through the system in semi-professional football, he was there into the conference, the fifth division, and he was playing for the reserves for Aston Villa. So I was refereeing him there. So there are certain players who you kind of go through the levels with and you and you get on okay with. Yeah. Um, there are not many difficult ones, if I'm honest. And that might sound as if I'm you know, trying to avoid <laughs> the question. I'm really not. <laughs> There are some good ones. One of the guys at Arbils asked me the question, the same question last night, and he said, oh, the players don't, they don't seem to talk to the referees. I think the difference in the Premier League, if a player is marking Eden Hazard, Mo Salah, someone who's got incredible pace, the moment that that player turns to speak to me, the player they're marking is 10, 15 metres gone. And that can be the difference, that split second. So a lot of the time, the player's can't stand and have jokes and laughs with the referee. They haven't got time to do it. They have such an important job of marking that one person mm. that, you know, they, they haven't got time to do that. Mm. There's a dilemma uh, sent in from Christer. Markeren, you have to choose mm-hmm. one of these two. Okay, the I'm, one I'm is, worried here. The one is uh, refereeing the perfect game. Every decision you make yeah. is spot on. Mm-hmm. But for every decision you make, the players are moaning and <laughs> complaining all the time. Okay. So that's the one option. The second option is being just a little bit off mm-hmm. in every single decision. Yeah. But all the players are happy all the time. Yeah. So the perfect game or a little bit off? The perfect game. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Uh, Anybody who gets into refereeing to be popular is misguided. <laughs> You're in the wrong career. Yeah. Um, your job is to get decisions correct, you know. And you ask that of any other profession. Mm-hmm. Anybody else going to work? What would you rather do? You ask that of a, a heart surgeon. What would you rather do today? Do everything correct, or you know, and, and but people have a go at you because you stitched the person up wrong, mm-hmm. or would you maybe make a minor mistake? Now, okay, football That's is not is not life and death. But it feels like it to some people. And to me, it is as important as heart surgery because I have a professional reputation. I have my own integrity. And I want to look myself in the mirror that night and say, you did everything you could to get everything right. Now, the perfect game mm. very rarely happens, if ever. But we have to strive for that. We have to, we no have to one, try for that. No one ever. I don't think it's ever possible. Nah. I'm sure it's not. So the perf- the actual, the real perfect game is one where... You don't make big mistakes. If there's mistakes that you do make, might be a throw-in or a, a little free kick. And the players trust you as well. That's the perfect game. Yeah. But do you have sort of a game that you sort of go back to and think about, wow, that was, that was a good game for me. I mean, look, as um, close to perfect as you... It's quite difficult to do because, I mean, when you work in refereeing, so much negativity is thrown your way. It's quite difficult to remember the good games. <laughs> and it's important. We work with psychologists yeah. who really try to focus you on remember the good decisions, remember a good game. Yeah. Um, personally, I prefer to think back to the mistakes I've made. Mm. I don't see them. I don't think that affects me negatively. I look back at the mistakes I've made and think, 
okay, how can I make sure that doesn't happen again? Mm. And I can think of many, many decisions like that. I'm sure the fans can think of more, but <laughs> um, but can I think of great games and great decisions? Well, not really, because there's no press of a good referee. But you don't yeah. wake up at night and think, oh. No, not at all. Don't I mean, get that. don't Ooh. get me wrong, it, it hurts. Yeah. You make a mistake, it hurts. But, Absolutely. But there aren't any mistakes in the past that comes back to haunt you. Because um, I can have that from others. Well, interviews I've done. Oh, I should. Oh, I should know. Well, I, Ask I can that think of a question. Yeah, yeah I, I can think of many, many decisions where I think, oh, what, what was I thinking there? Yeah. I mean, I can think of one. I mean, one one instance I did uh, Sunderland Newcastle. So it's a huge, huge derby game. Mm. Um, I gave a penalty kick to Sunderland, very close to half time, mm. um, and I sent off Colaccini for. Denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity, last man. But what I didn't do is just looking back now, do I think it was a wrong decision? It wasn't a, a terrible decision. I think the penalty is correct. The red card is harsh, maybe wrong. Um, but the one thing that disappointed me that I didn't, that I made sure I learned from that was I was very quick to decide. I almost decided if he fouls him here, then this has to be a red card. And that's very dangerous to do as a referee rather than, okay, that's a foul. Now look at the picture what's next and to try and slow down and it might only be half a second to try and slow down to take the advice of the assistant referees of opinions of the feel of the players do they expect what I'm thinking um, had I refereed that decision again I would probably give a yellow card now that game ended 3-0 to Sunderland yeah. I didn't score any goals in that game I didn't get, I didn't send, get sent off I didn't foul anybody but it hurts yeah. it hurts because you look and think yeah that decision affected the outcome of a game and and that's not what you want to do as a referee, ever. Uh, that game mm. must be one of the best games to referee. Yeah, the atmosphere is unbelievable. The, the time where we're time yeah. derbies. Massive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How many of them have you done? Is uh, Yeah, just, just, just the one. No. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so one, one of the time where I've done the Merseyside twice, um, which again is... Is a great experience. Birmingham, Aston Villa, Leeds against Sheffield Wednesday. So there's some real Chelsea, West Ham. Mm. Um, yeah, there's some tough ones. Actually, the, the harder games that you tend to find to referee in those derby games are the ones lower down the leagues. Bury against Rochdale in the third division and mm. Plymouth against Exeter in the fourth. Those are tough games because what you find in the Premier League is maybe 25 years ago or 30 years ago, everybody from who played for Liverpool was from Liverpool. Oh, a lot of the guys were. The Manchester United players were from Manchester. It's not the same now. They're not so much. So the rivalry with the fans is the same. Mm. Um, but when you go down to Plymouth and Exeter and you know, Grimsby, Lincoln, a lot of the players have come through the academy. So they, they support are from the Plymouth. club. Correct. And then it's a real, right, OK, we're playing against them today. Mm. And you can feel that on the pitch at times. Not so much in the Premier League, that's all. Talkie, Exeter. Oh, Talk, my God, yeah. Talkie, hate them. Yeah. But actually, we have a question from a Grimsby supporter. Jostein? Uh, Jostein Jensen. Wow. Uh, and <laughs> he wants us to ask you about the referee uh, dressing rooms okay. in the lower, di lower division. Yeah. Is there a lot of luxury at, for instance, Blundell Park? Or does he have to uh, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, drink uh, some yellow twinings? <laughs> yellow twinings, yeah. Up, I, I love Groomsby Town, actually. I yeah. love the, the, the ground. I I mean, you can throw 75,000 all-seaters, brand-new stadiums, and they look great. 
But there's just something about the atmosphere in a ground like Blundell Park or Sinsel Bank at Lincoln where you think, yeah, this is this is real football. This is proper football now. The changing rooms at Blundell Park are not glamorous for the right. referee. Okay. I'll tell you now, it's a, a cold stone floor. There's a, a television player with a built-in video VHS. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah just Luxury. In case, in case you take your own VHS. <laughs> but what I will say is that Every one of those clubs, it might not be luxurious, it might not be leather sofas and carpets and heated floors. Every one of those clubs like Grimsby Town, the hospitality that they show the referees is unbelievable. Hmm. Everyone. Accrington Stanley, you you know, there was a joke milk advert about them back in the eighties and nineties, Accrington Stanley, who were there? Well, okay, they, again they're a club that don't have luxurious things. They they're not, you know, massively funded but they give you everything they have as a referee and, and that might only be a pizza after the game. But they don't have to do it. No. You know? So, but they go out of their way to make sure that they, they come across as very hospitable. So I haven't got a bad word to say about anybody, <laughs> including uh, including yeah. the Cod Army at Grimsby Town, yeah. <laughs> but but um, are, there, are the ref, uh, referee dressing rooms in um, like Old Trafford, are, are they bigger? Are they I mean, Old, Old Trafford's not much bigger than Grimsby Town, actually, the really? referees. I mean, yeah. you have to remember there's only three, four of us. Yeah. Six in Europe, which makes it difficult now for some of the, yeah. the teams who get into Europe. Some of the change rooms are very big and there's a sofa and a television, but we're not allowed a television on. You can't have the television on in the changing room as a referee because we don't want to be able to see the other scores, certainly not at half-time or the full-time. So yeah. anybody who says, oh, the referee's seen this at half-time, absolute nonsense. You don't we, see stuff at the half-time? No, nope, not a thing. So we, we're not allowed to have mobile phones switched on. We're not allowed to have the television mm. switched on. We're not allowed to know the scores of the other games. Now, sometimes you'll hear them because people will talk. Mm. Um, but we, we're not allowed to see anything. Huh. So if people start thinking referees even up a decision... You get a feeling as a ref if you might have made a mistake in the first half. Yeah. But two wrongs don't make a right. Not all. So, yeah, so it just doesn't happen. It doesn't yeah. happen. But but do you watch it uh, straight after the game and watch uh, episodes from... So uh, I can't see anything until I've left the changing room, until okay. I've left the stadium. Okay. So, again, if a manager comes and asks a question, it's quite a difficult position to be in because they've seen it. They've seen the, the television and I stand and go, well, I I've only seen my view. From my view, I'm correct, but I'm not saying... You're wrong. Yeah, I would. I would drive home. I drove to every game. I always drive to games. Might be might be more difficult in Norway. Um, Good luck with that. Yeah, Tromsø <laughs> trip to Tromsdalen and Tromsø. Um, but I got home and watched the game. Mm. Yeah, straight away. If I had an, an evening game, I couldn't go to sleep unless I watched the game all the way through. Do you take notes or do you just do you, midweek? Memorize? Midweek, I do. Okay. So I watch the game straight after the game, and then I will watch the game again midweek. And I'll take notes. So hmm. it usually takes two hours to watch a game midweek. Hmm. And that then obviously the, the extra two games of what I'm going to watch for the coming weekend as well. But in the Premier League, you don't do interviews? No. Uh, coming to Norway, mm -hmm. uh, we see referees doing short interviews after the games. Yep. Are you ready for this? Um, yeah. I mean, I, it, it must be kind of strange. Yeah, I, I did one. Um, the, the reason that we... We're not a fan of it in... I think your press are very different in Norway. And the size of the league and the number of fans yeah. and, and um, the money and yeah. everything. So I think there's always a danger in England that uh, we always felt that if we go to do a live interview after the game, you'll get the question... No one ever wants to ask you about a correct decision. 
nope. as a referee. <laughs> so you know that you, you're on a, we call it a hide into nothing. I don't know what you call it in Norway, but you, you're on a loser straight away as a ref. Yeah. Why, as you why did you make that correct, right, yeah. uh, correct decision? Why yep. did you? And why again, are you so good? Remember we... That never happens. No, not with me. But remember, <laughs> we haven't seen it. No. So how stupid would you feel standing there saying, yeah, I didn't give a penalty because it hit his chest. And the whole world has seen that it clearly hit his arm. So there's a reason. Mm. Um, they don't do it to players. They don't <laughs> pull players out and say, you got sent off there and cost your team the game. How do you feel? What were you thinking? They don't do that. And yet we think it's okay to do to referees. Now, I feel quite comfortable talking and we tried it. Actually, I went to Hong Kong, lucky enough to go to Hong Kong to referee in the Asia Trophy last year. And they tried this after the game, straight after. I mean, the, the humidity in Hong Kong, I was trying to breathe. And then they, oh, let's do an interview. So I did a live interview after for Sky Sports. Um, and it was okay. The problem was, they told me the questions they were going to ask. One incident about something in the game, which was fine. And then one of the guys, because they're not used to having the referee there, it's like, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to ask another question. Yeah. So we asked a question that was a bit of a curveball and was wasn't the easiest to answer without or you, I had to think of the answer and you don't really want to have to do that because then it looks like you're not telling the truth mm. and it's not it's just telling it's saying the right words so that they're not twisted and and you come out of it looking bad because they do twist words yeah I mean, they do yeah well yeah we do as well yeah. but not <laughs> as bad <laughs> uh, we try to behave that's okay Morten uh, asks, uh, the round red card, what's up with that? Yeah, well, we only have one in England, do you? So <laughs> Roger East, the uh, Roger with the uh, the round red. So basically, th- this was a thing when I started refereeing, the red card was round in oh. England. I don't know whether that's not the same here. Basically, because the card tended to go in the same pocket, it was so that you didn't pull the wrong colour card out. It was just a different shape. I just so we can feel yeah, it. So yeah, so that you knew which was the red and you knew which was the yellow. Now... We all keep cards in different pockets now, and I know which I have red is in right because that's ah. Now it makes sense. Um, But I've done it. I have done it where I've pulled out the wrong colour card. I haven't showed it because I I always have a quick glance at my pocket (laughs) just just as I'm pulling it out, make sure it's the right colour now, yeah. yeah. Um, But I think that's why Roger's just, he's, I mean, Roger's old school, so... (laughs) You should yeah. stick with it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because uh, in Germany, uh, they used to at least have a nickname for it. It was Arschkarte. Okay, uh, so the back pocket. Yeah. yeah, that was the red card. <laughs> the oh, Ars, there you go. The, the back pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lovely name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lovely people. <laughs> the Germans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we do love the Germans. Yeah. yeah. Um, sort of. Um, mostly. Not, not everyone, but yeah. yeah. Uh, you are a massive cricket fan. Yeah. Uh, some of our listeners have said, why? Why? <laughs> why? 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 Well, why, I'm, why, I'm, why? I'm from Yorkshire in England, which yeah. is a, a very traditional cricket area. English, you know, England. It's the one spot we're actually good at. Well, football we're quite good at now, aren't we? But cricket, we're decent. Um, I don't know. I, I've, my brother's not a huge cricket fan, so it's not as if it was a family thing. I started playing when I was at school. Um, I was trying to educate Jenny on test match cricket and she couldn't quite grasp the concept that this game went on for five days mm. from 11 in the morning until six o'clock at night and it can end a draw mm. she, she didn't quite get that um but obviously we, we've got I, I took her to a game actually i took her to a, a cricket game and in just a short a three-hour version of it and she actually enjoyed it so um, my, my mission Be- now is to try and uh, that's because the the weather was nice and 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stand there with a beer in your hand in the stands, and it's much. I just love the game. I, I love. I think it's such a mentally challenging game. But it, you are Norwegian. Yeah. Try for you to explain the cricket to Norwegian must yeah. be so difficult. Yeah, and the hard Because thing is when you show them just a few video clips. Yeah, and they go, "Yeah, but he's not hitting the ball. He's just letting the ball go past him." Yeah, <laughs> and this is not like every second something's happening. I don't know. I, I just loved playing it as a kid, and I've just grown up loving. I mean, I, England played Sri Lanka the other day. I was up at four o'clock in the morning here. You and, Trevor you and Trevor Morley. Yeah. Once Loved again. <laughs> uh, you're looking for a club, aren't you? A cricket club? Cricket. I may have found one. You may have I found may have one. Found one, yeah. Really? I was, uh, I had What? Someone reached out. Um helped you. Yeah, they did. Uh, so there's a club called Oslo Aliens here in Oslo. Mm. Um so I think the guys are a lot of expats from Australia, New Zealand, some English, Nepal, Scotland, all over. Huh. Um And yeah, so I got a message there, and there's, there's a guy at the club, Damon Crawford. I've not met the guys yet. I think I'll probably meet them next week. Uh, I mean, Damon Crawford plays for the national team, for Norway's national team, which is an Australian guy. Yeah. Um, it's not an ambition of mine, just before you. That's, I'm not going to try and well, break the ranks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised actually that that there were quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of teams in. Yeah. In Oslo. It's not yeah, too- they're they're not. Um, were they 12th in Europe or something like that? Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not, I mean, there's not many teams. I think there's only England and probably Ireland who, right. who play the game in Europe, Scotland as well. But and the Netherlands not bad, but Norway are in that next category. Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of the most of the players and most of the players in in Norway come from Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Indian, Sri Lankan backgrounds. Mm. Very mm. similar to England. A lot, a lot of the you know a lot of the teams I played in a a team that was majority of the guys were from Pakistani backgrounds. Um, good cricketers. I used to work in a school actually, which was sort of 98% percent um, Pakistani Indian, you know, kids. Mm. These guys can play cricket, and they absolutely—they just li- they just live and love cricket, love it. And yeah, I, I kind of have that passion. I share that passion with them as well. Growing up, uh, all my Pakistani friends played cricket. Yeah, and the big, uh, big yeah. brothers. Well, it's a huge sport. It's a huge, huge thing in the, the subcontinent. So I was asked to join them once, and I got. And I got the ball right on yeah. my kneecap. I yeah. thought I was going to die. Yeah. The pain is unbelievable. Yeah, and that that's what people don't realise that So you're facing a guy who's throwing a ball at you at hundred and forty kilometers an hour. And you listen to the commentators and it looks a lot slower on television. Yeah. I took my brother to a game and he said, Oh, he had a chance to hit that. I took him to watch a game live and he was like, Wow, how can you you know you have 0.3 seconds to react to the ball? to make a decision for which shot. And I just think the skill factor in that is just unbelievable. I'm not selling cricket to you here at all, though, am I? My my grandmother, she didn't like cricket because she uh, she said it's too fast for me. Too fast? Yeah, the game is much too fast for me. I need some, a, a slower sport. Wow. Yeah. That's that's impressive. <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of anything. Maybe chess. Maybe chess. Maybe chess. <laughs> uh, might be onto something. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of uh, very English things, uh, we also do a sort of a service uh, to our um, viewers, uh, our listeners, because uh, um, because of Harry Redknapp being in uh, yeah. I'm a celebrity. Uh, yeah. Get me out of here. Uh, series. As an Englishman. 
Mm. Uh, what is this? Have you been watching it? I'm a, I haven't seen this year. I usually watch, though. I do usually do. watch, yeah. So, basically, you, you don't have this at all in, in Norway, no? No, we don't. No. Okay, so we, basically... We want it. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, we get a few celebrities together. When it first started, I mean, the celebrities are... They're getting a little bit more, for me, unrecognisable because some of the guys are... YouTube stars or yep. reality TV stars. But I mean, someone like Harry Redknapp in there is fantastic for the show. Basically, we get 10, 12 celebrities, throw them in the jungle in Australia, and they have to basically survive. Survive for, I don't know how long they're in there, a few weeks or a month or maybe a month. And they have to do trials. So mm. the, the trials make sure that they take the, uh, the wildlife of Australia and they have to eat. Is this show on every day? Is it once a um, week? The main, I think it's on every day. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's okay. on every day there, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you watch it every day when you can? Um, you, I mean, I'm, I'm not a super that? fan. I mean, I, I would watch it if it was on. I, I wouldn't stay in to watch the programme, but it's hugely popular. It's would very, they very cancel popular. all plans? I'm watching Yeah, Harry. it wouldn't be mine, yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> there is a... When there's, like, England games on the television, there'd, there'd be people complaining, saying, hang on, you've moved... I'm a celebrity is moved because the football's on. This isn't right, and yeah, yeah. so it causes a lot of uh, lot of conflict in the household in England. Can Harry win this? I think he will. I have, I haven't seen this one, but I just think he has the personality to to, to do, do really well on this. Yeah, I think yeah. he does. So it we've taken like he's been very popular. Yeah, yeah I've told a lot of stories. He's yeah. very popular in England anyway, yeah. and and he's kind of a because he's got that London. He, everybody can relate to him. You know, he doesn't come across as some kind of football aloof millionaire he's just like a normal guy and i'm sure that that's i'm sure that that's coming across on television so yeah. uh, we've taken it upon ourselves to uh, update our listeners on yeah. how harry's doing okay so we're just so going to do that quickly now if that's fun by you absolutely uh, harry jag har alltså avslört han har inte luktat sant han har inte luktat sant på grund av en um, en uh, bilolycka i Italien 1990 apropå bilolycka han har också kört över Konas fot ja. uh, för det jag hade sång fast i uh, dörren på Bentley men det fina med den uh, att han inte har luktat sant är er att han kan ta ut uh, tömma dassen utan något problem Ja, i ungarna. Ja. ja, det är er sant. Men kan man säga si om det inte har luktat sant? Ja. Och det är er nog folk inte tänker på, visst er, du känner någon som inte har luktat sant, så måste du visst du ska blåsa ut stearinlys, så måste du faktiskt si fra till dig. Man blåser ut stearinlys för att det kommer urök. Ja. Eh, og det har jag mött flera som inte har luktat sant, som då har sett den röken och fått helt panik. Herregud, det bränner. Så för Guds skull si fra. Grett. Uh, I tillegg så har han avslørt at han uh, var hjemme hos uh, sønnen en gang, uh, pratet med og skulle spise middag. Mm. Uh, og en som satt der og spurte liksom, Harry, er du interessert i, I hester? Og sa Harry, ja, er det, altså bestemor var veldig uh, glad i det. Jeg tok mot uh, vedmål på det, og jeg har vært, alltid vært veldig glad i hester. Ja. Og så sa hun uh, som satt der, sånn, Å, ja, ja, bestemora mi er også veldig glad i det. Hun, Eh, har är en häst som vant eh, prant löp alltså. Ja. Men bäst var det var det är er det dronningen som äger äger den hästen. Jo, stämmer det. Jo, jo, det är er, er bestemoran med. Ja. Så det var då prinsesse Beatrice han sitter och inte känt igen. Han har också eh, låtit vara och känna igen prins eh, William. Prince Harry. Prince Harry var det mm. eh, på ett eh, fysiorum eller han var inom fysioterapeuten och var på väntrummet kände jag igen prinsen. Ja, så han... i tillägg så har han vannat plantorna till kona med högtryckspyller. Ja. Och eh, det må jag få lov att säga, si. eh, bravo. Ja. Eh, hatten av för det eh, rätt och sätt ganska enormt. Mm. Eh, we are a bit worried uh, following you on, on Twitter. 
Okay. Because you eat. Uh, how, uh, how should I put this? Uh, <laughs> uh, differently? Uh, you, uh, uh, yesterday, you opened a can of. Joika. Uh, Joika kakir. Yeah. Uh, um, I haven't eaten that in, in 20 years. You I should. Think. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's much, I'm sure it's much better now. Yeah. <laughs> it's Maybe. very good. Well, it's different. When we opened the can, I, mean, I thought, well, we'll try some things that are typically Norwegian. And I mean, I, Why did you end up with Joika Koke? said it was typically Norwegian. <laughs> 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 okay. in England. Okay. So well. I thought, well, I'll try that. And then opened it and wasn't sure if it was for me or Rocky, the dog. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, someone had a, had a go about it being in a frying pan, but I didn't fry it. I was just heating it up yeah. and it, that with a little bit of mashed potato and oh. it was good. Yeah. It was all right. I mean, it, it's not, a, I'm pretty sure that a sports scientist wouldn't no. approve. No, um, but then again, but you survived. I, I ran it off. I went to play football after, so it was fine. And but you're here now. <coughs> just about, yeah. You look healthy. <laughs> you look healthy-ish. <coughs> uh, <laughs> is it reindeer? Uh, I, I, well, I think remember. it's supposed to be. Yeah. I'm, not, I I'm not sure if it is, but... I think it's like 13% reindeer. That's enough, isn't yeah. it? Well, we don't get reindeer in England, so we it's... Right. Yeah. Uh, and you open the kitchen cupboard and, mm. and there's another can in there. Yeah. Spaghetti alla capri. Yeah, I haven't tried this yet. You haven't? I'm excited. Wait. <laughs> just, just save it. Yeah. You, you a, can't do this two days an, in a row. And a tin of sod behind as well. Uh, uh, sod, yes. I, I don't That's, know what that is either. So uh, A sod uh, is something else. Yeah. In, in, it's uh, bigger in uh, Trondheim. Yeah. Uh, it's massive in, okay. uh, in that part of the country. Oh, but it's uh, like it, a stew. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, but in, in, in the, well, in Trondheim and... The areas around you can eat this at, at weddings. I, they I are so uh, proud of it. I've uh-huh. actually been to a wedding uh, yeah. where it's been served. Uh, yeah. They were they had. Uh, they are so proud of <laughs> their local sod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds <laughs> wrong. Yeah, just sounds, in English, yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound great in English. <laughs> doesn't no. And you had taco night. Yeah, this was quite controversial actually. Yeah. Um, so I I didn't realize first of all there were so many rules about taco. Yeah, yeah. I mean. When I asked, I mean, the natural thing when you ask somebody from Norway, what's what's your national dish? Mm-hmm. I kind of expected reindeer or didn't expect Taco. tacos. So that, that was a surprise first time. Um, but yeah, we had guests around last Thursday. I know there's the controversy. Yeah. Taco is Friday, yeah? yeah? That's the wrong day, yeah. One, yeah. one day early. Yeah. Oof. So I couldn't wait. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we, we had the Jenny's friends came around and um, they couldn't do Friday. So that's the reason. So okay. there's, yeah. there's no blame on me there. Um, but yeah, so they came around and uh, did you get to d- decide anything, or did you just follow the rules? Well, well I mean, clearly, I didn't realize there were such strange rules. So strange, no, no, no. Yeah, it's but but uh, what people people don't always agree on what the rules are. Well, yeah, I mean, somebody somebody said I should have uh, guacamole, and someone said yeah. avocado is fine, and then someone sent me to the shops for some. I don't even know, some white, like a cream, the sour cream. Yeah, yeah. Sour cream yeah, I got yeah. sent for that as well. So I was down at the shop buying that. And well, I take any. I mean, I mean, anybody wants to send me a, a menu from Norway, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to. <laughs> but did you do anything wrong? Did you make any mistakes during know. taco night? I don't think so. You, I mean, unless you, you're going to tell me something different. No, I, I, I have no idea how <laughs> you, you ate it. you saw the picture. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I watched everybody else first. And yeah, you did. Watched the order that they put things on there. Mm. 
Okay. Yeah, so I think it was all right. Yeah. You were just a copycat. Yeah. First time. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good following thing. Following the way, yeah, yeah. But uh, did you enjoy it? It was good. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I've <laughs> Better had, than your car? Well, I've had... Me- um, oh, oh, I don't oh, know. Oh, I mean, we'll be, <laughs> have to say yes to this, don't I? I mean, I had Mexican tacos, and there yeah. weren't much difference to the Norwegian ones. No. So I'm not sure what makes it Norwegian other than it's a Friday and you're in Norway, but well, it's good. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diss the uh, I'm not gonna diss the country on that. It's obviously based on uh, um, well Tex-Mex uh, taco yep. or something, but uh, I'm just Norwegians going to Mexico sometimes get disappointed when they buy yeah. <laughs> stuff off the oh, street. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> happy to embrace anything Norwegian. Yeah. So yeah, uh, just to finish off the the, the food stuff, <laughs> uh, there's a massive uh, controversy in oh. in this room between Thomas and I. Okay, if you're gonna make a uh, if you take a slice of bread mm-hmm. and you're gonna uh, combine uh, ham and cheese, yeah, um, what's on top and what's uh, the cheese is on top? Thank you. Thank you. You are a perfect human being. Thank yeah, you. The cheese is on top. Thank you. I'm happy. Adam Badam. Abba, här har vi fått utländsk kompetens. Att det är sån de gör det utland. Ja, det är grejt. You got foreign uh, expertise. Yeah. 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 Uh, I call it a ham. So ham, ham, ham goes cheese. first. Sandwich. So ham first and uh, cheese. Just, <laughs> just, just asking. Ham, ham cheese sandwich. Yeah, 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 yeah. Du tar skinke og ost smørre. Nei, fy faen. I guess you understood the last one. The swear words. Uh, is that <clears throat> still the first thing you... Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you do get a lot of swearing out on the pitch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, we, we can see that on it, television. We yeah, can you can. You, you are you are told to fuck off. It does uh, it does happen a bit away from the microphone. Yeah, yeah. It, it does happen again. The, the cameras sometimes are very unfair. Yeah, um, and what people have to understand is we do understand why we, because people get frustrated at yeah. work. Yeah, and the players are at work. It's their job, and when they think that I've negatively affected something of theirs, yeah, there's a frustration there and adrenaline, of course. Mm. And we have to understand that. Now, there's a difference in direct abuse at me i think we have to judge that we have to have an empathy and understanding of players and that point at you and tell yeah them to once do it starts being abusive then yeah. and there's names and whatever then that's completely different um somebody out of frustration shouting that even towards me a lot of the time what they don't realize is i'm 30 meters away now yeah so the game is very quick so by the time i've made a decision or not made a decision that player is standing there frustrated the referee is 30, 40, 50 metres away, doesn't hear that, doesn't see that. Nobody in the crowd sees that. Now, if people want referees every time somebody swears on a pitch to give a red card, then Good we luck. can do that. Mm-hmm. The game will last not a long time, and then people criticise the referees, saying oh, they don't understand the, you know, the frustration and empathy. So we have to have a line. There well, is a line. Well, where is that line? <clears throat> different for different people yeah. in different situations. So um, I think if it's in the face... And it's directed, and it's very obvious. I don't think you can avoid that. Not at all. Is that a yellow or a red? If <clears> I come <throat> up to you and point at you and okay, tell it you depend, to... It depends what's and, said. And, and I tell you to fuck off. Yeah. Okay, so the, there's nothing in the laws of the game that mentions swearing. No. Nothing. Okay. So the, the wording is abusive, insulting, or offensive. 
Yeah. Now, what you find abusive, insulting or offensive may well be very different to my interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. So a referee can use their own interpretation and think, OK, this player's frustrated, I can manage this situation. There'll also be times where you have to think, hang on, this is too much. There are kids watching this guy at home. That's that's enough. But, I mean, I can't remember the last time I sent a player off for... No. But if I do this to your face, point yeah. at you and tell you to do this, yeah. uh, is that a yellow? Is it a red? When it comes to you? It de- for me, it, yeah. it, de- it depends in the manner of which it's said. I'm really angry. Really <laughs> angry and abusive. Yeah. It's a red card. It's a red card. Yeah. Okay. I, I try to protect the game. I try to protect the image of the game as a referee. I think that's hugely, that's one of the most important things, especially when it's so global <laughs> and so watched and so many kids watch it. Um But then there is the balance. There is the balance of entertainment and keeping 22 players on a football pitch that people want to watch. Now, that doesn't mean I don't give a red card because of a business or an entertainment, but I have to understand that this is their job. And if they're frustrated, if I if I can manage that, then I will try. If yeah. I can't manage that, then it's a red card. It's not my fault. <clears throat> Technology yeah. uh, finally came at some point. Mm. Uh, Goldland technology, and you've got these earpieces yeah. and everything. How much technology did you carry yeah, there's a, in your last games in the Premier League? There's a lot, yeah. So there's a microphone. Obviously, we're connected to the, the other three referees on the team. Um, we have a little, a little box on the arm for the flag. So there's a button on the flag. So when the assistant referee mm. raises the flag, they press a button. Mm-hmm. It buzzes and beeps on the arm so that I don't have to be looking to see that they've put the flag up. Oh, it beeps as well. It beeps as well, yeah. Oh, I thought it was just buzzing. It can buzz and it can beep. I, I took the beep off because what we, what I found is that when it beeped, it distracted the players and the players knew what it was. Mm. Okay. So there'd be some defenders who'd stop. And sometimes it would just, they'd hit the button by mistake. Mm. And so the player would stop. So for me, it was just a, I just had the buzz. Um, so you can turn it, turn it on, can turn them on and off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, so obviously. So that's what the big box on the arm is. Yeah, it's not. It's not biceps or anything like that. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not muscles. Uh, it's uh, biceps as well. It's not really. Yeah, no, massive. not really. You've got massive. No. You're on the radio. You've got massive. They're huge. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're incredible. They're, Uh, oh, for the way you Could lift that, the way you lift that glass <laughs> in my face! <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, so you got the big box and yep. the buzzer and the microphone. Yeah. Uh, what else is it? Um, I mean, as a referee, there until you start introducing VAR, got, I mean, you have the watch. Yeah, you've got a goal technology watch. So one, so one normal watch. Yeah. Which have the time, the other watch and the time and the heart rate monitor as well. So I suppose that's technology as well. Um, so you're wearing a heart rate monitor. So yeah, so based, it's on the on the timed watch that that the referees have. There's a heart rate monitor that's built. You all in. got the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Why so that, do you need the heart rate monitor? Um, basically, because we, our sports scientists will analyse that. They'll okay. see how hard we've worked. You're not watching it hard. during no. the oh, no, I'm it sits on in the background. No, yeah, it sits okay. in the background. So we have that, and then obviously on the other other arm is the goal line technology watch, which will buzz. And flashes up goal when the ball goes it over says, the line. It actually says goal. It says goal. And then in the earpiece as well. Um, They are connected. A, a voice. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as the ball goes over the line, we get in the earpiece, goal, 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 goal. So Is it a man or a woman saying goal, goal, goal? Um, <laughs> I think it's a man. I think, yeah, some, some of the guys asked for maybe a nice sort of female voice in there, but it wasn't happening. It's just goal, a man's goal, voice. Goal. Yeah. goal, 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 goal. Yeah. Very clear. Very, very clear. Four times. Yeah. So you know straight away. You know straight away. And... I don't know if you saw the game the other night, Huddersfield and Wolves. I think there was 1.2 centimetres of the ball that, right. wasn't, that didn't cross the line. Now, 
I don't know whether that assistant would have given the goal or not given the goal on his decision. I mean, that kind of, that's impossible mm. with the human eye to tell. But 1.2 centimetres. And somebody said, I think someone asked, sent me a question and said, well, you know, how, how many instances can you think where goal line technology in history, okay, 1966 World Cup, England, Germany, 2010 World Cup, you probably could think of less than 10. But one thing that I do know for certain is that since goal line technology, there's been none. Yeah. That's got to be a good thing. That's to be good. Fantastic. Yeah. There's one more question from a guy called Ole K. Indegård. Any new rules he would like to see applied to football? Um, yeah, I think after the, I think it was the 94 World Cup in America, they, they brought in a couple of rules or laws that I don't think help us as referees. I mean, players, when they get injured, have to go off the field and okay, yeah. they can stay on if there's a caution now. But I, I just don't, it feels wrong sometimes that a player gets injured by another player mm. and then they suffer by suddenly being down to 10 players even if it's just for 10 seconds or maybe longer if they have to have treatment off the field that doesn't quite feel right mm. um but i also understand that you understand uh, why it, it could it be is. manipulated of course yeah. it can it can be used to time waste um i'm not sure i mean the, the, i think the game's pretty good i think it's pretty good as it is sin bins maybe yeah because again i think when you look at some of the tackles that happen that are red cards, um, or even some that are, that are yellow cards and close to red cards, and then you get red cards for certain things, you know, like handball mm. on the goal line. It doesn't quite feel right. I mean, there was a huge change in the laws of the game. 93 changes, actually, two seasons ago. 93 so as a referee, changes. Yeah, as a referee, that was like... Some of them only very small. Um, so as a ref, that was... The start of the new season was tough, because it was like, right... You have to remember these now. But the players don't generally read the laws of the game. So they tend to think the you know, that a goalkeeper can have four steps before he kicks it. You think, well, that disappeared <laughs> 20 years ago. So, yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, do you tell the players before the season? <coughs> yeah, we are, that's why we have the meetings yeah, with, but with but the clubs. Do you yeah. tell them about all 93? Or do you just no, pick, like, no, we, the we pick the ones that are going to be going to be relevant to them. Some of them is just a change of wording. Okay. Like, and, I mean, for example, very small, something, the word rebound in English doesn't translate into certain languages. So okay. they call it a deflection and not a... Re so those are some of the very small ones. The main ones, yeah, we, we try to communicate with the players before the season. Are you ready for the Norwegian pre-season, which is the longest one in the world? <clears throat> really? It's, it's, it was like four and five and six months. Yeah, I mean, it feels strange to... Uh. to suddenly have a season that's finished now because obviously Christmas in England is the busiest time of year yeah. for football. Um, so it'll probably feel strange when I do start refereeing here not to have to referee on the 26th and <laughs> not be in a hotel on Christmas Day on my own, yeah. you know, waiting for the game the next day. Um, not having New Year's Eve. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, not it's going to be nice to be with, with family. Yeah. But, I mean, New Year's Eve, I, I spent New Year's Eve in, in Oslo last year, actually. Um and it was the first New Year's Eve that I'd had not in a hotel room on my own for, I think, seven years. Because we always have games on the 1st of January. So at 12.30 on the 1st of January, it's like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I go to sleep at 11, wake up when the fireworks go off at 12 and go back to sleep. So that would be different. That would yeah, be good. That's good. Yeah. You think you'll <clears> miss <throat> your colleagues at Christmas Day? Miss my colleagues well, yeah. and the guys on <laughs> that you usually spend on Christmas. Do you know what? Yeah, I mean <laughs> the old team, the old guys. Yeah, most most of the four, you know, most of the guys go to the hotel on Christmas Day anyway. Yeah, I was at Bournemouth last year. Yeah. Now Bournemouth for me is a five and a half hour drive, so I set off 
you know, like four o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas Day to go down to to go down to Bournemouth. It wasn't even my game. I think I got the game on Christmas Eve. The referee, his wife gave birth. Um, so yes, it was a long drive. Yeah. But, but you're with friends then, you know, so that yeah. doesn't make it too bad. Er det noe vi har glemt? Nei, da tror jeg vi, tror vi er der. Alt er greit. Ja. Uh, vi skal til neste uke. Uh, gjest, uh, klart ja. allerede. Ja, Emilie Hovi. Ja, ja. hun uh, kommer hit. Seriemester. Mm. Kanskje da også køppmester. Mm. Det er jo køppfinale for damene på lørdag. Det er lille strømkvinner mot uh, Sandviken. Mm. Det er jo klokka fire vel. Uh, på lørdag ja. uh, er det. Så kanskje vi har en uh, fersk køppmester i studio. Det blir koselig. Det har vært veldig gøy. Good luck with everything. Thank uh, you. Don't don't touch the spaghetti a la carte. <laughs> just, just leave it, please. Have you tried? You've tried grandiosa, the pizza. The pizza. Yeah. I'm not making myself sound very good here, am I? I mean, my, my, my diet have, is good, but yeah, yeah, yeah of course. I, yeah. You have to try it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you I would try, try, try everything, but the price is in Norway. Your, wow, Yorkers, all right. I mean, now you're sounding <laughs> like a proper Brit. Absolutely. I mean, this is a country that could stop someone drinking beer. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. That's why we do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, Bobby, thank you for coming. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's and, been good fun. Uh, and good luck with the season. Thank you very much. And the higher obviously. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I'm standing here in front of the Eiffel Tower. What a magic! Produsert av Rubicon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.